Seth Travis. I'm a creative director here in New York City and also founder of Man of Metropolis and Metropolis Report. I'm Seth Travis and this is Man of Metropolis. Today we're talking with writer and artist Dan Jurgens. He's worked on Superman, the death of Superman story, creator of Doomsday and Booster Gold. And so today we spent the last hour talking about Superman, talking about superheroes, adaptations in film, what he thinks of Batman v Superman, Man of Steel of course, and we get into it and talk all things Snyder Cut. So check it out, spend the next hour with me, Seth Travis, creative director and founder of Man of Metropolis, and artist writer Dan Jurgens. Here's our conversation. As far as I'm concerned, you're a DC Comics legend, especially when you talk about um, creating your own character like Booster Gold, and then we all know the Death of Superman series um, and the artist and creator of Doomsday. Um, you know, today I want to talk about you know a couple of things. We'll do some rapid fire questions to kind of get your sort of initial reaction to some of the sort of iconic comic book titles that anyone sort of that knows comics is aware of. Um, sure. We'll ask you a couple of questions about your favorite movie moments, and I've got a couple of movies we'll list, and okay. then we'll kind of dive deeper into more of um, comic book cinema, as well as we'll talk specifically about the Snyder Cut. Sure, sounds good. Awesome. Um, so rapid fire, you know, it could be a one word or, or a phrase response. Action Comics 1. Wish I had one. <laughs> That's a good answer. I mean, seriously. One. Yeah, yeah. There's your retirement plan. Yeah, right? <laughs> Booster Gold 1. Uh, full of meaning and uh, uh, personally something I still take a lot of pride in. Great. Superman 75. I still am amazed that it did everything that it did and we see the results of that even yet today uh, most recently with uh, Zack Snyder's cut. So um, it has endured now for a long, long time and seems to have gotten bigger. Yeah. Um, Action Comics 1000. Great achievement. Mm. Cool to be a part of it. Awesome. Um, so switching gears, we're going to talk some movie moments, just maybe your response as a creator, an illustrator, storyteller, but also just as a fan, um, The Dark Knight. You know, I, I remember seeing it, and and every now and then, uh, there have been times when you realize as a creator that the, the comics medium has advanced somehow. And certainly that happened with Dark Knight, that as I sat in that theater and saw it, um, we could tell that that movie was elevating the platform of comics across the board. Mm. <clears throat> um, and just to interject, what do you think was about The Dark Knight? Do you think it was Heath Ledger's performance and interpretation of the Joker? Or do you think there were other elements at play that really made that movie groundbreaking for not just for comic book adaptations, but for cinema? Well, it was that, um, but I think it was more than that. I think it was the overall tone and the approach that um, it was, it, it treated Batman so straight that 
Uh, and by, by that, I mean, it was just such a great take on the character that said, we're going to do an adventure movie here. And it just happens to be the guy who wears the cape and the, and the cowl. And it all worked out very, very well. And it showed that by just playing it that straight um, was something that could still work. Because even the Tim Burton movies had a little bit of a camp element to it, you know? So to, to see Nolan take it and do it uh, as he did and to play it that level if that makes sense, I think is something that that showed the audience overall what comic book adaptation type movies could be. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, so keeping with favorite movie moments, we've got two more for you. And then, you know, we'll kind of probably talk, talk a little bit more just about Superman, of course, the Snyder Cut. Um, so favorite movie moment from Man of Steel. Uh, you know, I, I think there is that moment where, and, and it's hard to look back on it because it's become a much more common language now, but that moment of putting the fist in the ground mm. to, to use the impetus of that to fly was really powerful imagery. And, and I thought it captured the character very, very well. And it was beautiful in its simplicity. The difference is now we see it all the time, right? But at that time, that to me, I think was the first time we had seen that, right? So it, it is something that communicated very effectively. And now we get so many different variations on that, that I think it's become a bit hackneyed. But in that moment, at that time, it was great. Awesome. Awesome. And last one for this section, um, and we'll kind of get into a normal Q&A, um, Batman v Superman. Um, that for me is going to be different than it is most people. And, and I say that because, um, you know, it, it really was getting to the end of the movie and the death of Superman scene with the heroes around him. And it, it was because... Uh, Zack Snyder tried very, very hard to capture on film what I had drawn on paper. And it's one thing to have an idea of yours used from a creative standpoint, but from an artistic standpoint, when you see someone take a scene that you had drawn and then to try and recapture it with uh, live actors on film the way they did, I mean, for me, and I have to backtrack just a little bit here, and I apologize for that, because when you draw a comic book, it's a series of choices, right? And when I did Superman 75, it was a lot of different choices because we did it all in splash pages as what shots could I actually use? Because I really was working on an economy of actual shots where I only had like 26, 28 of them. So to find out that I made the right choice all those years later because of the way it was recaptured on film was sort of a sense of verification. So my reaction to it is probably different than a lot of people's. Sure, sure. Awesome. Um, so this is definitely putting your creative hat on and a little bit of a hypothetical, so bear with me. Um, but I think it could be something fun to do. Um, imagine you had to pitch Superman as a new character 
to DC Comics today. How would you describe him to executives and lead writers and illustrators? Wow, what a great question. Uh, I think it would be, uh, I, I think it would come from a couple of different places. And I think I would emphasize this idea of, you know, Superman coming from another planet is an immigrant. And someone who found himself in the American Midwest and raised with the values that we find there and that there is something simplistic about that and not in the sense of Americana, but in the sense of respect for life. And what I would always pitch it as this idea of, you know, you strip away everything else um, that, that someone who is connected to the heartland and connected to the planet itself, connected to the sun, con connected to the ecology of everything, and connected to human life and everything that goes along with that. And that then is his guiding force, and that's what makes Superman work. Awesome. Great. Um, would you change anything about his origin now that we've sort of seen his story told? Um, for 83 years. Is there anything about it that you would kind of maybe as like a person at DC Comics that can kind of in a boardroom be like, guys, like we need to like pull this element back or we need to be clear about this element here? I don't think so. I mean, for me, it's because Superman's um, origin is very clean and very easy to understand. And if you think of Superman, and I generally do, as the last son of Krypton, that uh, um, orphan from a doomed planet who was sent here for a greater purpose and a greater role. I mean, there are quasi-religious aspects that go along with that, obviously, but these are also the, the trappings of myth that work out so well for the character. And, and I think that one of the things about Superman that um, I like is there's this sense of aloneness that Superman has that I think works very well for him. Superman is a lonely figure. He's yeah. a solitary figure. And, and I think he gets, uh, he, Lois Lane serves as his connection to the human race. It helps to humanize him as Clark Kent. But I think all that works out so well for the character that uh, I don't see, you know, I just don't see any need to change it. I think that's what fuels the character and makes it work. Amazing. Um, love that. Uh, how has Hollywood adapted the DNA of superheroes well? Is there an example or a moment or a character who you're just like, yes, that's the embodiment of the comic book superhero idea well there's there are so many examples of that right now and in in a lot of ways i would say maybe um the most powerful recent example is probably the black panther movie that if if you look where what was really a fun film has now become a vehicle that has really transcended kind of the meaning of the film itself right and and has provided inspiration and meaning for so many people. 
which is what superheroes are supposed to do. So I think the, the cleanest, easiest one to identify is the Black Panther movie. But I think beyond that, overall, what we have seen is with so many different uh, portrayals and takes of heroes through the Marvel movies and the DC movies and these, and, and I'll include television as well, that we get these different glimpses of them that are kind of really, I think, proving that these are the creatures of myth. These are the gods. And obviously that's kind of a theme that Zack Snyder has played with um, that have great meaning to us and can serve to inspire. And I think that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Black Panther, the scene at the end when the kid is the basketball court and says, who are you? It was like chills. Yes. Um, Yeah. They crushed it. Uh, What would you like to see from Hollywood that maybe they haven't attempted? It could be either via storytelling or it could be a specific comic book character that you're a big fan of that you would like to see kind of have a shot in the silver screen. Well, I think we've seen, um, a lot of different things that that are taking us through all of these different roads that we hadn't seen. And, you know, one of the things I've appreciated so much, more so with Marvel than the DC movies, is that they've gotten into the different character lists, like Guardians of the Galaxy, which we wouldn't have thought was going to work out, but it was a great experience, right? And, and I think showing us these different wrinkles of these characters that weren't necessarily the so-called A-listers has been a lot of fun. Um, certainly, I would even say, and this is going to sound terribly self-serving, but you know, it is what it is, and that is Rooster Gold, because I think that um, a character like that, who is so in touch, would be in touch now with things like social media and, you know, who would live stream his adventures and stuff like that. and and be running a GoFundMe page as he charged off into battle to get people to contribute. I mean, I think right now Booster actually has more to say to the audience today than he ever has and, and could be very unique in that role. So I think, and I think to be able to see these movies continue to, to plumb the differences in these characters as they exist now, where it doesn't have to be just the A-listers anymore, is what I enjoy about it. I mean, that's a lot of fun to see. Like I said, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, did we ever think we were going to get to the point where we would say, wow, I love Star-Lord? Well, we did. So, you know, and I think more power to us. That's great fun. Yeah, awesome. And I have to put you on the spot because you're the creator and your answer was Booster Gold. I mean, especially during the pandemic, we've probably all been streaming and watching more TV and film than we've ever before, I would assume, unless you're you know, a professional filmmaker. Um, is there an actor that you've said, oh, he would crush Booster Gold? Oh, you know, different names come and go. And I don't really have a specific one because so often it would get down to what is the movie itself. And, you know, until you have really the exact movie and how you were going to treat it, it's hard to say who exactly should play that role. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Is there a story for Superman that you have scribbled an outline um, of kind of 
or a summary of where you wanted to take the character. Maybe it would just be in one issue. Maybe it would be across several issues or like a special book that maybe you maybe you scribbled the storyline 10, 20 years ago that you still kind of want to see it happen. Can you share any of those thoughts with us? You mean happen as a film or as a comic book? As a comic book. Comic book. Yeah, there are. And I'm going to steer clear of that. because <laughs> I might yet end up doing it someday. It's, you know, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, okay. Part of it is that we get, you know, the way the creative process works is I, I have notebooks that have germs of ideas in them. And every now and then I'll go back and I'll say, oh, this one from 10 years ago, this here's an idea that kind of matches up with these notes I did three years ago. And, you know, ideas evolve and change and they coalesce and then, you know, somehow they manifest themselves. So you never know. So maybe one day it'll actually happen. Um, I know that the the idea we had when we had Jonathan Kent born uh, become a part of Superman's life with Superman and Lois kind of living off on their own and Superman back in the black costume, which is a storyline I did in a book called Superman, Lois and Clark. That was that next sort of evolutionary step for a character for me, because I had done the death. I had also done the wedding, done so many other things. So now here comes the child. And how would they have to live? Well, obviously, they would have to live such a different life at that point to try and safeguard this child that I think there are all these things that are logical progressions that I, I still have in reserve somewhere. Sure, absolutely. Um, we're inching closer and closer to more Snyder Cut stuff. Um, you know, Man of Steel, you're in an IMAX theater or wherever you were the first time you saw it and being so ridiculously close to that character. Was there a moment in the film outside of, you know, the fist and propelling himself to fly? Was there a moment in the film where you maybe physically like threw your fist up in the air or smiled really big or just got this burst of energy of just total pride of seeing you know, this character that you love so much and work with um, on the silver screen, certain action or moment or dialogue? Uh, once again, it's a little different than that. And, and that is because I, I think that rather than um, a moment, it has more to do with Henry Cavill so convincingly portraying Superman that that you you know when when someone is portraying a character at the level of Superman what they're really asking you to do is hang with them and buy into that portrayal right and he was so convincing in Superman he so pulled me in where I could watch it and say yes this is Superman in the exact same way that I did uh, with Christopher Reeve way back when, that that's what did it for me. So I, it was not so much that there was that moment as there was that, that just uh, complete ability of the actor to pull me in and make me think he was Superman 
which is so difficult to do, right? And once you do that, then everything else can work. So that's what I responded to. Absolutely. And and just to kind of like piggyback on that question, obviously, physically, he prepared for the role and, and right. looked right for the role. Um, but from a portrayal and acting standpoint, you know, was there something about him that also that you said you had buy in, you were in, you were impacted greatly? Was there something that element you want to kind of highlight? I think what it is, is um, Superman has to have, like when I draw Superman in a, in a crowded room, I try and give him a certain sense of presence mm-hmm. and, and a certain quiet command of figure that Superman is not the person who says, everybody follow me, we're going to go do this, right? Superman leads by example. People just sort of naturally gravitate toward him and follow him. It's very different. It is that quiet sort of role of leadership. And I think Henry Cavill uh, captured that, you know, perfectly. That there, you know, his portrayal was um, a bit understated, which I thought was tremendously effective. Mm. Because to me, that's exactly how Superman is, where Superman is like that in a room full of people. And and I think, you know, if Superman is standing in a room full of generals, for example, um, you know, he's not just going to necessarily stand there and say, OK, you start doing this, you start doing that. That is not who Superman is. He leads much more by example, much more quietly. He just goes and does it in an understated fashion. And I think that's what we saw in the film. I love that. That in standing in a room full of generals, that example is I'm like envisioning it and seeing it and feeling it. That's, that's great. Yeah. I think yeah. um, readers and watchers will, will kind of connect to that comment right. as well. Thank you. Um, so you're the creator of doomsday, obviously played a big role in the death of Superman story. And, you know, people can Google and search online. I've seen, you know, there's a lot of videos with you talking about, working with the creatives at DC Comics to tell that story and why you told that story and what you did to get out of telling that story once it had been um, published. Um, But I would love for you to kind of give us a short synopsis of why you created Doomsday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And after all was said and done and the comic book shipped and the second printing shipped, what was your reflection on the character Doomsday as an artist and creator? Well, first of all, you know, when when we were kind of playing around with the idea of doing the death of Superman, uh, one of the things we spent a lot of time discussing was, well, if someone kills Superman, who does it? Is it Lex Luthor? Is it Brainiac? It's got to be one of his most important villains, right? And we kind of kept coming around to this idea of it being someone new. And um, with Doomsday, I had just suggested, you know, I wanted to do, a story that at that point wasn't even connected to the death of Superman, just this big fight. Um, Because at that time, (coughs) pardon me, most of Superman's villains were like guys in business suits, like Lex Luthor. So with Doomsday, we got to uh, play with this idea of someone who is the complete opposite of Superman. Hmm. Superman is very much a creature of logic and reason. Superman is very much about life. Doomsday 
as as just a rampaging monster, uh, almost one without a specific agenda is is more like a hurricane on legs. We saw him as a force of nature. Mm-hmm. That's someone you could not logic with, someone you could not reason with, that that was as different from Superman as could be. And that's what we found to be powerful in the story. That that by creating a villain that was the complete opposite of Superman, that we then had something very, very different that we could work with. So that's why we decided to do the Death of Superman story with someone like Doomsday that was so incredibly different. And ultimately, that worked very, very well in in our favor, that because it allowed us to cut from whole cloth, which I think is very valuable in a story like that, Sure. Great. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, before we keep going, I had a paper route and I would spend every dollar I made um, from my paper route on Saturday mornings in Portsmouth, Ohio, and go buy the story. Sure. And I would buy three copies because fortunately my dad and my brothers collected baseball and basketball cards and I was the comic book Superman guy. And so they taught me, you know, at, I think age 12 or 13, you know, you buy a copy, you never touch, you buy a copy, you read, and you buy a copy that you show off. Right. So um, my mom's basement, I think it's worth a lot of money right now. Um, and I have a storage unit here in New York City where I have um, the copies I read. Um, okay. So I just, you know, I wanted to weigh in on that because, um, you know, that story that you played a huge role in telling was very impressionable on me. Um, so switching gears, but still connected to Doomsday and you as a creator, BVS was, you know, a massive film that took a lot of big swings, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously a different interpretation of a character that you created. And, you know, I would love to just get your, both as an artist, uh, response, reflection of the film, but if we could specifically talk about what it was like for you the first time that you saw how they created Doomsday, how Doomsday killed Superman or how Superman killed Doomsday, kind of that whole um, orchestrated choreography, Um, Mm -hmm. but also, and this is a long question, so forgive me, but, but also I would love to understand your perspective on were you involved at all or consulted when they were writing a screenplay and choreographing Batman versus Superman? Oh, sure. Um, well, to start with that one, no, not really. Um, other than them using some of the source material. And then obviously what they had to do was uh, get away from the origin that we had come up with for Doomsday. And they repurpose it to kind of fit the idea of the film with Luthor and everything else, which I totally understood. Uh, that made sense. I think that... Um, in terms of the overall film itself and seeing it for the first time, you know, we saw it uh, at the premiere at uh, Radio City Music Hall, which was a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> and it was very special. And it and this gets back to a little bit of what I talked about before, which is this idea of, you know, as, as comic creators, we see ideas that we have replicated on screen somehow it might be live action tv it might be animation it might be a movie and we're sort of used to that 
what I found so interesting with BVS was this idea that um, Zack Snyder was so literally trying to recapture some of the scenes that that we had drawn and come up with in the book itself. And so, you know, I'm sitting there on the one hand, just watching it in terms of the overall idea and the story structure, right? And just trying to experience it as a viewer, watching the whole thing unfold. And then the other part of it was very much this idea of, and now it it is the um, physical manipulation of actors and imagery to try and recapture what we had on paper. Yeah. Which was also uh, so tremendously fulfilling. And, and it was fun to see that as well. So overall, it was, it was great to see. Uh, I found it interesting that they took Doomsday and made him so big and so much bigger than Superman. It's like, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, um, I got a kick out of that. And obviously, they increased his powers a little bit. Um, and they changed the, the mechanism of his death. Uh, whereas we just had Superman and Doomsday sort of slugging it out and, and falling in front of the Daily Planet building. They came up with something a little more intricate and all of that, which I appreciated. But it was still the core of the story. And it was a lot of fun. It was very special to see. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's funny. I, um, as much as I love films and comic books, I steer clear of uh, storylines and um, spoilers and critic, you know, releases uh, before movies come out. So I didn't know that there was Doomsday. Oh, okay. The whole movie was Batman v Superman. Oh, sure. So going back to being a huge reader of the death of Superman story, I had a full out meltdown in the movie theater where oh, I was in Miami at the time, just cause I was just like, as a kid, I was like, Oh my gosh, like they're doing this. Um, but I have to ask you one more question because I, I was watching doomsday and the way they created him through Zod's body. And when I first saw, you know, the battle begin between he and Superman, I was missing the um, like the skeletal kind of dinosaur stone ridges that you guys yeah. had, that you had created. Yeah. Um, and obviously like when he gets hit with, I think he got hit with um, some missiles from, I guess it was maybe the missile in space mm -hmm. that when he fell to earth and he kind of, his powers increased, that was when he kind of got that skeletal, um, you would be better to describe Right. Features. How did you feel about that moment? Oh, that was great. I mean, because that's what we wanted to see. And part of it is that, you know, if you go back to uh, a movie that was never made, which was, uh, you know, Tim Burton had looked at doing a Death of Superman movie for a bit where they came up with a version of Doomsday that was more like a giant spider mm. or something like that. No, that's not what. That's not how he is. That, please don't do that. Um, so to get to the point where we would start to see some of that exoskeleton um, manifest itself in Doomsday. Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. And because that's so much a part of that character, which is, you know, even the, the bony ridges across the eyes that were protective in nature. I mean, that's what all those 
uh, exoskeleton features were is they were protective of yeah. Doomsday, which is why there's this great, well, I think it's great, but sequence in Superman 75 where Doomsday has one of these big um, knee bone protrusions that comes out where Superman just kind of kicks it off and breaks the bone, which is, I thought, but that was fun. Uh, so yeah, to see that manifest itself in the film was great. Cool, cool. Um, so we're here. Uh, and my first question about the Snyder Cut is, were you aware of the movement on Twitter back in 2017 and 2018 that released the yes. Snyder Cut movement? Yeah, yeah. And I was always, I, I was always in on it that I thought that, um, you know, as a creator myself, you know, I, I think that there is this idea of we want to see kind of the auteur's vision that he has in mind in terms of creating a film, right? right. And and I, I think that uh, as any kind of a film buff or interest in an author's vision or anything else, that's part of what we get interested in as viewers and fans. So just from that standpoint, I was always interested in this idea that, well, if there's this other version, you know, how finished is it? How complete is it? Yeah, that'd be interesting to see because, you know, clearly if if someone has thought out this, this deep storyline that was running through three films, why wouldn't we want to see that? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Um, I, I, I feel as if everybody would know where they were on May 20th of 2020, <laughs> assuming, you know, especially during a pandemic, um, do you, were you aware of that Zoom uh, call and commentary that Snyder did with Henry Cavill? No, no, it took me by surprise. So when did you hear, like, did somebody text you? Do you see it on Twitter? Yeah, it, it was, you know, I'm, I, as I recall, I saw it on Twitter and everyone's like, and you know, just going crazy about it. And I said, wait, what? And so it was, is this really going to happen? Is this something we're going to see? So, yeah. How did it make you feel when you, when you got the news? Well, you know, there's this part of me that uh, has always recognized that the the black suit for Superman is a solid gold concept, mm -hmm. right? And um, it worked out that way for us in the books. We when we talked about Superman coming back in this recovery suit and things like that, somehow we all latched onto this idea of oh yeah, black suit with just a simple S shield. All right, let's do that. Um, and that then I brought back that black suit when I did the Superman Lois and Clark book that I had done. And so to finally think that we were going to get to this point, because we all knew the black suit was there, right? That it existed. Mm -hmm. So to finally think we were going to get to see the black suit on film in a way for me, that's what I wanted to see. Yeah. And because that was such a core part of the story. And I knew Henry Cavill would look so damn good in it and it would work because it is, it is something that just plain works. 100%. You know, and real quick, before we continue, I wanted to go back to Man of Steel because you do see a version of the black suit 
and yes. kind of a nightmare moment between he and Zod. Um, yeah. What was your reaction to that? Well, very much the same. I, I mean, just because um, we realize that it is, you know, when we put Superman in that black suit, we knew as artists and creators that we thought it was great. But that doesn't mean anybody else is going to think that, right? But people responded to it so well that I have always known since, yeah, that's something that fans want to see. So even when we saw it there, while its meaning was a little bit different, sure, um, it was just fun to see because it was a nod to what we had done. Got it. And so from, I'm just curious as an artist, right, when you're thinking about colors and color theory, was any of that part of the conversation or was it just like, Black is badass. Black is cool. Like, let's go with black. Or was there like a, oh, he's usually, we know him in, in blue, red, and yellow. What's the opposite of that? I'm just kind of curious how the black suit was birthed. Well, that, that was part of it. But really, the, the biggest aspect of it was that black was symbolic of death. So there was that symbolism of here's a character back from the dead. Um, remember when we had done this, we also had all these, the characters in the comics were wearing black armbands, right? I have one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when yeah. Superman then came back and he's in black, it was very symbolic of Superman returning from the dead. So that's really, uh, more than anything where that symbolism, uh, came from and why we thought it would be perfect that, yeah, I mean, not that Superman himself is still in mourning, but it was evocative of that state of death. Yeah. And the fact that he had come back in it. It was almost like he had been um, buried in that suit in a way, right? So, and and now he's coming back and wearing that funereal suit. So that's that was the power of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I just have to comment at the end of BBS when the soldiers are, they're kind of doing the JFK funeral in Washington, DC, and yeah. they move the, they move the American flag over his casket and they reveal the black casket with the silver S. I like lost my mind over that. So, oh, yeah. so I thank you for the entire black suit birth and idea and concept. Cause I think they've been doing some really cool stuff with it. All right. Some more Zack Snyder stuff. Um, so you'd mentioned earlier when we were talking about BVS that you weren't really involved in the, you know, the screenplay, the choreography of how they were, you know, managing to use the Doomsday character. I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, you weren't really necessarily consulted or involved in the screenplay writing of, of the Justice League Snyder Cut film. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Snyder Cut film was released and, you know, unfortunately, like you had mentioned to me, um, COVID-19 is a real thing. You were impacted by that. It sounds like during the, during the release of the Snyder cut, were you able to watch the film? How did you watch the film in parts in full? Oh, I watched it in two parts. I, you know, it was kind of hard for me to, to, um, <coughs> pardon me again, um, to stay in one spot. Uh, but you know, I, I first day that it was available, watched it, uh, really got into it. I, I, you know, I thought it was even more different mm. uh, from the previous version than I had expected it to be, quite honestly. And that that's what I was so delighted in that I thought I didn't know. Are we going to see like 
20% difference, uh, 30% difference, you know, and it was more than that. And, you know, um, from the minute we saw Steppenwolf and the differences with that character that we knew we were in for something that I think was a real treat. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, since you were able to finish the, you know, part one and part two, did you walk away with, as, as a, as a creator yourself, as someone that's extremely close to the Superman character character specifically, but also Batman and so on. Did you walk away saying like, wow, this moment in the entire film was the best moment for this cut for fans. Like this is like historical, maybe similarly to how you felt about the way Superman's fist propelled him in flight in man of steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are a couple of them and, and they go to Superman, even though he wasn't involved directly in the scenes. And I, I think that what really worked out well for Superman is a lot of the commentary that came from the other characters regarding his importance. And, and so when we had done the death of Superman, so much of what we did after that was have various DC characters uh, communicate Superman's importance to the world by expressing their feelings about him. So in, in this version of the movie, to see both Batman, Wonder Woman, but especially Flash, talk about how much Superman meant to them, I thought was very powerful. And that then serves to build up Superman's character even more and the meaning of his death even more. So I I thought that was really um, a lot of fun in that. It went to the overall level of characterization, which Mm -hmm. was so much deeper here and across Mm -hmm. the board that we got to see these moments with all these great DC characters. And we got to see what Superman meant to them, especially with Barry Allen. And and I thought that was really neat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Barry Allen and the flash, boy, did he have some moments. Um, I know, I know. I gotta say, I didn't see it coming at all. And that's, that was the charm, right? That, that, uh, that I didn't anticipate that. And to see those things come and be on, on film, that was that was fun, and that's what made it all work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know we have to wrap up. I have three more questions, um, but because you mentioned Barry Allen and that you were surprised, you know, I think there might be an obvious answer here, but I have to ask because it was a four-hour movie and there were a ton of moments. I think both from a storytelling and acting standpoint, but also you have to give a shout out to the VFX team for creating yep. some of those moments. Was there a moment that you feel like? got you really excited for the flash movie probably the finger through the glass you know because it was such a a nice overall sense of uh, it worked so slowly you know just to see the finger move laterally across the screen and go through that way i i think that was it but more than that it was the i think the overall attitude of the character which we got so much more like this this young guy who's kind of unassuming and everything and just a lot of fun. So I think that's what it was. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, So what do you think Zack Snyder does really well? And follow up to that is how do you think his style will impact future comic book movies and cinema when dealing with 
heroes and symbolism and art references? I think the word scope is what comes to mind that, you know, um, from the beginning of the movie where it's, you know, Steppenwolf again and the parademons against all the Amazons, for example, the sense of scope that was there is really incredible. And, you know, it's also the characterization that fits in with that sense of scope that it was all there. And so the, the effects across the board in this were really tremendous. And we got to see that, you know, when Superman then came on screen, um, never mind the rest of the Justice League, that they were up against a threat that they were able to equal. I mean, it wasn't sometimes what we see in comic book movies is the heroes just seem much too great for the threat, if that makes any sense at all. Sure. This was very proportional that way, and I appreciated that. Uh, as for how it'll influence things in the future, I don't know. I, I That's so hard to say because I can't look into the future. I don't know. It's it's interesting to me that he has chosen to to explore themes with regards to superheroes that I think are always worth exploring. And and this idea of, you know, myth and God and man and everything else that kind of gets lumped in with it, um, I think that's always grist for the story mill. So we shall see. Absolutely. You know, I think one of the things that's been happening over the last four years, but most of Zack Snyder's career, and most specifically, since we're talking about the Snyder Cut, I don't want to call it fallout, but I think there are a lot of film critics and bloggers and everyone has an opinion, right? But you're a storyteller. You have been close to the Superman character, but also close to the DC Comics IP for decades. Um, As a storyteller and a creator yourself, you know, what would be, we'll call it friendly advice. Um, What's some friendly advice that you would offer Zack Snyder if he were to continue working on any sort of DC comic uh, films in the future? Oh my gosh, I can't. Um, I, I would never presume to offer Zack Snyder any advice in any way, shape or form. So uh, <laughs> funny because a lot of people do. <laughs> well, you know, that's part of the job. I, I always think it's just stay true to the character, that if you stay true to the character, everything else will come from that. and so. That, that would be it. And it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Superman, whether it's Flash, whether it's anybody. I mean, Batman, um, stay true to the characters and therein lies the solution. That's that's it. Yeah, awesome. Um, wrapping up, I think two more questions I'll try. I'm trying to get it right on, um, right on target, but this has been such a fun chat. Um, what did you think of the scene with Clark and Lois in the field? And did you feel the butterfly on his hands were something that you would see ripped from the pages of comic? Yes. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's a great scene. Uh, I think the thing we have always realized since the, you know, 79 Superman movie is this power of, of Clark in the fields of Kansas, right? I mean, that's always a magical thing. And it worked out 
very, very well there. And um, yeah, it was a very nice scene. And there's always power to that because when we see that, there is so much there that is all about the character of Clark Kent. Awesome. Last question. Would you like to see more Henry Cavill as Superman? 100%. Love it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really think that, um, I mentioned this earlier, that this, the idea of people who can really portray Superman and pull you in because they have the attitude, they have the posture, the way they carry themselves. And it's not just physical build, right? There's, yeah. there's something that goes beyond that. I thought he was just, I thought he was tremendous. I'm Seth Travis. I'm a creative director here in New York City and also founder of Man of Metropolis and Metropolis Report. Thanks for joining me in this awesome conversation we had with Dan Jurgens talking all things Superman, superheroes, and of course, the Snyder Cut. Be sure to follow me at Seth Travis on Twitter and subscribe to our channel right now.